0: the sulky, over-funky, kinda-hunky superhero. A 2 fisted and electrically-transistered superhero. and exotically-erotic and aquatic superhero. The
1: Marvel Superheroes have arrived. Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV show podcast brought to you by Cinema Sanga. My name is Devin Faraci and I'm one of the hosts of the program, joining
2: me as he traditionally does. My name is Dirk Farachi, and Last Night I Had a Dream, you were in it, and I was in it with you. What's that from? That is Randy Newman's song, Last Night I Had a Dream. Oh, very nice. Randy Newman, one of the greats. Yes. I love me, Randy Newman. We just had to pause
1: recording because my cat was making some noise. Uh Dirk, do you do you ever wish that you had a pet?
2: I sometimes Are you kidding
1: me? <laughs> Did <Are> you... You... <laughs> Somebody made somebody said that you need to do an episode that's just you and your Alexa.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes wish I had I had a pet. I think about it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, my, I just my current apartment, they don't allow pets. Yeah. So I, I don't have one here. And then like every now and then i am like, oh I'll, you know, because I'm thinking about moving. I'm like, oh maybe when I move I'll get a dog. And then I'm like, well, I'd like to have like a yard if I had a dog because I'd like to have a place where I can run around a little bit, but that's probably quite a bit. Do you awkward. want like a big dog? No, but even like a smaller dog, I think it'd be nice for the dog, right? You know. Yeah,
1: it's not bad. I mean, obviously when we, last time you were out here, I was living in a back house, like the, uh, the guest house on a property, and uh, Oliver, my dog, had the backyard to run around in, and he did enjoy that. But he also was pretty okay with just living inside an apartment. He's, he was yeah. a lazy bastard, so. Yeah. Well, dogs take after their master, so my dog would definitely just sit around a lot. There you go. Well, he'd be happy. You're a good – you'd be a good dog owner because you'd be home a lot and you would be on like the couch or whatever place or like at your desk where the dog could sit at your feet. Like they'd be very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. uh, I I went to go see Legion of Super Pets – League of Super Pets yesterday and uh, I've been thinking about all the the rescue animal stuff. I wish I could get another dog, but I don't have uh, a lifestyle that would really – Accommodate a new dog okay
2: That's uh rough.
1: how's everything else by you it, uh it's rough <laughs> it's what's my, going uh, on
2: they're doing work on my building and they Oof. somehow broke the central air and so oh. i've had two days of no central air and it was very hot what's the temperature out there uh yesterday it was in the 90s oh Right now it is about seventy degrees outside, but it was in the eighties earlier. And well, it's seventy degrees at ten o'clock at night. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, it's what are a- you doing? I'm dying. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Oh. I'm melting away. When are they
1: gonna get it turned back on?
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The good news is we're supposed to have thunderstorms all weekend, so it should be pretty cool this weekend. Oh, God willing. But we'll see. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry pretty- to pretty hear that. Rough. Well, what are you gonna do? It's a nice reminder of how much I love Central Air. <laughs> That's what I've learned from this. Like, oh, I really love that. Oof.
1: Yeah. Uh, we got any superhero movie or TV
2: show news? We do. Uh, Zoe, I'm going to say this last name wrong, uh, Tarekes, I'm going to go with, uh, it has joined the cast of Iron Heart. Okay. So there you go. They're from Who is Nine that? Perfect Strangers and Wentworth. There we go.
1: I have no. I have not seen any of these things. We're definitely entering a phase of actors where I have no idea who the hell they are anymore. I've been there a long time, <laughs> <laughs> but at least usually, like you have like a sense, like you might have seen the show where you're familiar with the show or yeah. a movie. But like
2: it's now, it's people I've never even heard of where they're from. Nine Perfect Strangers, I've heard of. That's the one with uh, 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 AMC lady. What's her face? Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend saw that and said it was pretty bad, but I don't know. Yeah. And then Wentworth, I don't know what that is. I have no idea. Is that like a, a spinoff from Pennyworth? <laughs> the, um, the origin of Batman's Butler? The origin of Batman's Butler. What? That amazing. So
1: incredible. <laughs> oh. It's so incredible. I understand they want to um, get Batman's name in there. Because yeah. they, obviously they're not getting the viewership they want. Um, and they think they can get it, it Pumped up with Batman's name, but that's just a bad way of doing it. It's not a good way. I mean, you could just do Bat Family, right? Isn't that like the overarching sort of? I mean, but would that be too corny sounding for people?
2: Well, the, I mean, the show Pennyworth is about him in like as a spy in London before he meets the Waynes. No, so I know, think. but still, like you
1: could have like a, the overarching branding for all Batman spinoff shows could be just Bat Family. Yeah you know bat family pennyworth
2: that's just not gritty though
1: yeah i guess that's the case
2: you know the penny that's... but neither is the origin of batman's butler <laughs> nope. which is i'm he... pretty sure is the name of the movie from teen titans go to the movies when when they're going to see the new batman movie <laughs> and there's the, <laughs> the trailer for for penny for alfred oh no that's it's just called alfred isn't it yeah alfred uh
1: is like you know what there's like a philosophical question here is he batman's butler or is he Bruce Wayne's uh, butler and he's Batman's like armorer and like uh guy in the
2: chair? That's a good question. Well, he's not the guy in the chair, that's Oracle. Yes, yeah, right. And, yeah. And then um he's not the armorer. That's uh he either has Harold been, or or Lucius Fox. He has been the guy in the chair is. in the past before they introduced the, the Oracle. Yeah. Yeah. But and sometimes he's still in the chair, I suppose. But is he just his medic and he brings him occasionally toast and tea? I guess so, yeah.
1: I guess that does kind of Batman's butler, I guess. Yeah. And he cleans the Batcave. <laughs> All that guano to take care of. Yeah. Yeah. All right,
2: what time. else we what else we got? Uh, well, I just closed the other news thing, so that's gone. Um uh Lady Gaga is officially in Joker 2. Pretty excited. Yeah, it's gonna be a musical. Although I'm a little upset because apparently it's a musical more like uh uh a Star is Born and less like In the Heights. And I'd much rather have like a big blown out musical. I mean, we might get numbers like that, you know, in, so. in people's heads.
1: Um, but he's, you know, it seems to me that what's happening here is that uh, Todd Phillips is moving through the entire Scorsese filmography. So New York, New York is the next movie. And that is a musical, but it's a musical where their are characters playing music as opposed to characters that burst into song. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, it's diegetic music as opposed to non-diegetic music Yeah. and, uh, it's oh, musical. Well, I don't really know. Um, but I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm all for it. I know people have decided that Joker is a bad movie. I don't think it is.
2: Um, I enjoyed it. That yeah, was I think good. It's... And, and I like that, that their answer to, Hey, this movie made a billion dollars. What do we do now? And they're like, we'll make a musical. I think that's very exciting. Yeah. I think that's very cool.
1: Yeah. But you know, know. Do you remember I had the script for Joker some yes. months in advance, and I called you with like, I can't believe what no, what nonsense this is yeah and then the, the it was the correct script. it wasn't like I got the wrong script, but it just
2: worked in the, in the theater it just
1: worked on screen for me like what what was what seemed ridiculous on the page
2: I felt like it worked on screen yeah yeah i I, I imagine that happens quite a bit with scripts from time to it, time it, you know? usually actually usually scripts seems much better than the movie.
1: You read the script and you'll imagine something really incredible. And then you see the movie like, oh, that those are the choices they made. Huh? Yeah.
0: Well, that's been go. my
1: personal experience reading scripts, getting really fucking hyped up and then watching the movie and being like, oh, and especially because okay. they also maybe are doing changes on set
2: and, and editing pulls entire storylines out and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. But uh, that's it for real news. And then there's a bunch of goofy rumors. What uh, what's the best goofy rumor? that uh, that uh, Warner Brothers is currently having screaming matches over whether or not to uh, shelve the Flash.
1: It does seem as though there is uh, not goofy rumor, but truth that they were doing Flash reshoots this summer. Yes, that is apparently true. So it's kind of fascinating. Uh, I am deeply intrigued by the... Um, by the way that Warner brothers is sticking with the movie. And there's rumors that they're doing more Ben Affleck shoots reshoots this summer as well. Okay. So it's like very, very fascinating to me. I don't really know what to make of it. And, uh, I don't know how it's all going to work out every time I, I say to myself, you know, I don't think this Ezra Miller stuff as, as wacky and bad as it can be. I don't think it's so bad that like the regular audience is going to be turned off. Yeah. But every time I say that Ezra Miller shows up and does something crazier. Yes. And so, by the time we get to the release of the movie, I believe it's plausible that they might have done something so bad that even a regular audience member goes, "Oh, this is—I don't want to go see this guy's movie." Yeah. So I'm
2: kind of interested in in, in that. Well, we, currently Ezra Miller is staying at his mother's house. Apparently, the paparazzi there, is their, out mother's out there. their mother's house or their mother's house—I'm so sorry, their mother's house. Uh, the paparazzi is hanging out out there. So hopefully they are getting the help that they need. And this can be something that uh, we can move beyond at some point.
1: Uh, I saw some really interesting rumor. What's that? That uh, I'm not like this website, cosmic circus. I'm not a hundred percent super wild about their record, but um, they have a, what they say is the character list for Madam web. Yes, I saw that. And it feels a, a little too complete for me to feel like it's fake. Okay. Do you know what I mean? If you're faking it, you don't fake it like this. Okay. In in my experience, like you fake it like you 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 drip it out over a bunch of posts, right? Yeah. And they didn't and, do and that. And you say Sydney
2: Swinney is 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 cat or a black cat?
1: Yeah, like you would one. do something yeah. more interesting. Some of the casting in this is so bizarre. Some of these characters are so bizarre. That it, it it makes me feel like it's real, like it it's too, it's too off center, uh, for it not to be real. Yeah. Uh, all the women that they've cast in this movie are all various weird spider ladies. Uh, Spider Girl, Spider a, a Spider Woman, yeah. um, uh, Madam Web obviously, Madam Web obviously. Uh, but the big the big stuff here. Is that Adam Scott is playing Uncle Ben? Yes. And uh, Emma Roberts is playing Mary Parker, not yes. May Parker, but Mary Parker, who would be Peter Parker's mom. Yes. So the movie we have seen set she photos try to explain in- why
2: she's pregnant.
1: Yeah, we'll explain why she's pregnant. We've seen set photos that in- that show that the movie is set in the early two thousands. Yeah, which would line up with the birth date of the current Spider-Man. Yeah, um, so you go. and Madame Web with her powers of prophecy and stuff. Possibly, I saw somebody speculating the premise of the movie is these these characters coming together to make sure that Peter Parker is born because the Spider Verse
2: needs him to be born or something like that. There you go. That does sound about right, doesn't it? If he's not born, Sony is bankrupt. <laughs> We Adam Scott sure. is
1: uncle Ben is the weirdest shit, and i I don't know if we're supposed to take that as canon or not I just, or does it matter? I don't know
2: I don't think it matters <laughs> I don't like like i I don't think Sony knows because we still can't figure out where Morbius takes place right, right. like it's all over the place, so you know I like. Yeah, I guess the question is, is this supposed to be in the MCU? Right? If that's where Spider-Man's hanging out, or is this a different Spider-Man?
1: Yeah, there's no way that they're going to have references to the MCU in this. There's no way. There's no way that Marvel's going to let them do that. I just can't imagine it. Um, Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, there was no references to the MCU in – They actually cut the MCU references out of Morbius. Were there MCU references? Wasn't? Oh, was it? Uh, yeah, Spider Man Murderer, the graffiti that we had seen in a trailer. Oh, and some that's, right. Shots. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And that would indicate the Spider Man who had been revealed by uh, uh, Mysterio. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I guess it, it doesn't really matter. I'm, like honestly, like I'm not getting hung up on it. But I'm curious how they're positioning it. Like that's what I'm, my, my, my interest is. And if they're going to try to keep it vague enough that it, I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to keep it vague enough that it could be canon. Yeah. But not tie it so tightly that it definitely is canon.
2: That'd make sense.
1: That's my guess on it. Yeah. And then they'll have Tom Holland
2: play the baby. There you go. Baby. Tom amazing. Holland. They'll, they'll they just live like, uh, a tiny uh, little Tom Holland comes out of her. Yeah. They'll, they'll do it like on uh what we do in the shadows. the Colin Robinson. (laughs) Colin Robinson. Tom Holland's head on a baby. Or what was the movie where they did that? Wasn't that a movie?
1: Like one of the
2: Waynes Brothers movies? I don't
1: remember. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That would be so funny. That would be amazing.
2: That'd be great. (laughs) That'd
1: be great. I would fucking die. It's just so fascinating that all these women they've cast are all playing like weird, random spider ladies.
2: Like it's very strange. Seeing that list – And then learning that it takes place in like the early 2000s, I was like, obviously, this is a thing where it's like, we have to protect Mary Parker from something, you know, and because her child is important to the spider totem. And there you go. So we'll see if they are going to bring the spider totems into it.
1: Oh, I'm I'm afraid. I mean, that does feel like this could be a, a movie that that does happen. Yeah. And Sony does feel dopey enough to do something like that. Yeah, I can see them digging it. Somebody else on Reddit went through the old SEC filings uh, uh, for Universal, and uh, they found the distribution agreement between Marvel Studios and Universal for Hulk. And according to what they found, uh, it says um, that the terms, distribution term Paramount shall have the right to exercise its paramount distribution rights, respect to each picture for an initial period of 15 years commencing on the initial theatrical exhibition. That's the Paramount version. Um, So it makes sense that it would be the same,
2: right, with Universal? I guess. I don't know.
1: know Remember, when Marvel first started, they worked out these deals. They were an independent studio, and they made their own movies, and they worked out a deal with the studios to release their movies. And Paramount got almost all of them. Universal only got Hulk because Universal already had Hulk. Yeah. So if that's the case, we're coming up on 15 years from Hulk. Yeah. So could Hulk be coming home? I mean, I, with the ability to put his own movie in
2: together. I mean, you know he, I mean? here's the – the Universal deal did not stop them from making Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man movies. They can use the character. They just can't have a movie called Hulk anything.
1: He can't but, but be that's the main what character. I'm,
2: that's what I'm saying. It, or I'm sorry, the Paramount deal. The Paramount deal, they, it, they, it's a different deal with Universal.
1: No, the Paramount deal, they got bought out of. Oh, did, okay. Okay. That's why they don't their their deal ended. Okay. So I don't know. I, I I'm just curious. I'm curious. I I had this vision that Universal is just gonna have Hulk forever. Yeah. But um, I don't think they're gonna. So I'm just kind of curious when that happens. There's been a lot of uh, roiling speculation that World War Hulk is coming. And I hope not. Uh, I hope not. You know, uh, Umberto Gonzalez reported that many years ago. And I know Umberto and uh, Umberto is not a bullshit artist. He gets things wrong, but he's not a bullshit artist, which I think is a really vital distinction in the scoop game. And so if Umberto heard that World War Hulk was happening, it was happening. Yeah. Whether or not, you know what I mean? Like it probably got pushed away or moved around or whatever. That's totally reasonable. It was quite clear that they were obviously touching on it because they touched on that story in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, But whether or not they would do an actual World War Hulk is another question altogether. It would be interesting. Uh, it, it could be an interesting way to do an Avenger movie without doing an Avenger movie. I suppose. Feige has said they're only going to do Avenger movies at the end of uh, phases from now on. Yeah, yeah. Which is so, smart. It's actually more often than you think. I think that's like every four years. So like, it's not, It isn't that big a deal. It isn't like we're waiting like nine years between phases. We just happen to have a two-year it, it, gap. This time because yeah. of the pandemic.
2: Yeah. And, and also, I mean, they've kind of already been doing Avengers movies at the end of phases, haven't they? Like,
1: yeah, pretty much. Phase that's one ends much. with Avengers, phase that's two p- ends with yeah. Age
2: of Ultron, right? So that's pretty much how it works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was it's just not sort a of. Huge qu-
1: shift, yeah, I thought you It was just a question as the um, phases get bigger and more yeah. full of stuff, whether how it was going to work. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but the phases seem short to me.
2: So I don't know. Well, although there's no Avengers for phase five. So I think he's saying more like the,
1: Oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean event phase. Like I meant, the... I
2: meant saga at the end of the sagas. Yeah. Yeah. That's I what I mean. That makes a lot of sense.
1: I apologize. I totally misspoke. Um, yeah, yeah the end of the sagas is when it's going to happen. So every third phase is going to have an Avengers movie. Yeah, Which it doesn't idea. seem crazy to me. Like, yeah, it's still, it's every third phase at the current rate. Going from twenty twenty one ish to twenty twenty five every four or five years?
2: That seems reasonable to me. Seems very reasonable.
1: That you yeah, you don't wanna you don't want to have a constant
2: Avenger movie out. That that's less than uh than two Doctor Strange movies. There's six years between Doctor Strange's.
1: That is true. That they God. really took forever between Doctor Strange's. They really did. All right, we got mm-hmm. any other news? That's uh all I've got that's all you've got that's pretty much all i got um so i guess that means that we need to talk about this week oh one last piece of total it's not gossip it's just paparazzi photos um
2: they're doing a lot of shooting on loki season two at a 1970s mcdonald's a lot of shooting at a 1972 uh, mcdonald's and apparently also at a uh at a ski do place the ski place feels like it might be a spoiler they're doing
1: so much shooting at the mcdonald's that i almost wonder if this is like a mcdonald's like in between universes that's
2: like their new headquarters or base they're doing so much shooting there they're doing a lot they're doing a lot uh <laughs> it's the, they're taking a what, what's the story from sad is it the the tavern at the end of the universe, yes right? yes they, but they're doing the mcdonald's at the end of the universe
1: <laughs> but that'd be kind of fun though wouldn't it like it's kind of a fun use of branding to have like yes. this like McDonald's outside of time, uh, yeah. as like this like it's
2: torn out of like some <laughs> you know some some reality. The, the one thing that survives all space and time is franchise restaurants. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I could definitely see that in a comic, you know. I you know, if the show's gonna get that weird with it, I'm for it. But we'll see. We shall, all right. we shall see.
1: We don't have a Marvel until next week. Next week She-Hulk Attorney at Law comes out uh and we'll be watching that uh very excited by some of the latest trailers we've been getting yes it looks good it does not just look good but i'm excited about like the use of of z-list uh, characters yeah, to populate the porcupine man like and, and man. it looks pretty good too frankly it
2: does it does i'm very excited uh, by
1: that yeah i think that this series might test my ability to recognize d-list z-list characters from the marvel universe yeah, yeah.
2: Gotta I may get, have to gotta w- get your list of Mark Renwald creations out.
1: <laughs> well, I may have to just pull out my. I, I want the um, Absolute Edition or the uh, Archive Edition, whatever they call it at Marvel, of um, the Handbook to the Marvel Universe. Yeah. So I have the big hardbound version of it, all twelve yeah. issues, plus the Book of the Dead. Maybe I'll just watch the show with that on my lap. There you go. Um, Perfect. But so we don't have a Marvel. This this week, what we're going to talk about is the 10 episode Netflix series Sandman. Based on the Sandman. Vertigo comic of Sandman, uh, based Sandman. on uh, based on the Vertigo comic of the same name. Uh, and I made Derek watch all 10
2: episodes, despite him certainly not wanting to do that. No, I did not. <laughs> I love the comic, though. I do love the comic. I'll
1: be very uh you ready to talk about it?
2: Do you want to do jokes? Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm The official DC superhero joke book that I bought, and we've only done like three pages of. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, How did Bumblebee get to uh, school as a kid? How? On the school buzz. Bumblebee, really obscure DC character. Uh, Bumblebee is a major player in the Young Justice cartoons, I think.
1: Oh, is he? Okay. She? I have no idea what the gender
2: of Bumblebee even is. I believe it's a she. Uh, What does Aquaman put on his peanut butter sandwiches? what jellyfish pretty good that's pretty good why does Hal Jordan call himself the Green Lantern (laughs) why it has a nice ring to it These are pretty good yeah all
1: right this
2: is an enormous step up from the Star Wars joke books there's there's a joke in here that is literally a joke that's straight from uh League of Super Pets so wow we'll we'll get to that on the League of Super Pets episode uh, now, but now in the meantime, are
1: we ready to talk about Sandman? Yes, let's do it. Sandman, the Netflix adaptation of the Vertigo comic book series by Neil Gaiman and various artists, uh, created by Neil Gaiman and Sam Keith. Um,
2: what's your Sandman uh, history? uh discovered sandman in high school probably through you i would imagine you had yeah, issues i was a, around. i was a
1: sandman guy yeah i was a yeah. big i was on sandman from like single issues from the second storyline i did not i was not in on the very beginning but i got in yeah. by like issue six or seven
2: yeah like right around the time when they started they switched over to vertigo right is, or is I, that can't before? I can't remember exactly but uh i remember reading some then and then in college buying the trades and loving them and then buying the absolute editions and loving them and then buying them digitally and loving them. And it's a series I I greatly, greatly enjoy. I think it's the rare series that gets better as it goes when it comes to these kinds of comics, you know, like, like these crater controlled all under one person. Usually they start off really strong and they kind of teeter out as time goes on. But this one I think got better and better. Right. And uh, I greatly love it. I'm a big fan, big fan.
1: Yeah, I am a big Sandman guy. I've been a big Sandman guy since the book, within the first year of the comic. Again, I was not cool enough to be on board at the very beginning. Uh, I remember seeing the ads and being really intrigued, but uh, I think that it might have come out, I'm trying to think when the first issue was. The first issue was 89. So I was in high school um so i was going to comic book stores okay um because i've realized i've been looking at there's a uh a twitter account that tweets the comic book covers that were on sale this day in history yes and i see a lot of comic book covers and i'm like i remember that when i bought that one but i realized that some of the older ones like some of the ones in like the the mid to early 80s Tiamo was, time, yeah. So it was like you never knew what you were going to get. So it was yeah. like really interesting to see issues of comic books and going. I didn't read that one, but I read the other ones on either side of it, and that's because I got it at a fucking at a cigar shop yeah um or, or like a, you know like a, a newspaper stand uh yeah. so you you didn't have that like knowledge of what day it was coming like you know it wasn't
2: the same time every week or every month and, and you just kind of like go into the shop and walk into the back where the racks were and see what's there spin the rack and see what you got yeah and yeah. then try to read the shit at the rack uh as much as
1: possible yes uh if if possible you don't have to spend the money on the comic you just read or, it at the rack
2: or if we want to be rudely honest about it Slide a couple of comics inside a copy of the Daily News for twenty five cents. Yeah, that was
1: uh, that was my big scam: slide comics into the newspaper and then uh, buy the newspaper for a yep. much discounted price. Those guys, I don't know how they didn't get on to me. <laughs> they <It> didn't care. <laughs> Later on, when I got older, I started sliding porn magazines into the newspaper.
2: There you go. There you go. Uh, so uh, yeah, that that is definitely a sequence out of like a coming of age movie where it's like. In the beginning, you show the kid and he's stealing the comics, and then halfway through the movie, it switched to porn, and there you go.
1: I am not proud of my time as a shoplifter, but I was a shoplifter, um, quite a prolific shoplifter for a period of my life. I'm not proud of it,
2: but you had a buddy that was a prolific shoplifter. Like
1: I had a buddy who was a really prolific shoplifter. The most amazing shoplifting he ever did. We had a comic book store that we went to called Lil Nemo's, and Lil Nemo's had all of the Cerebus. Um, phone book editions. Yeah. So Cerebus is this indie comic about an aardvark. It's it began as a spoof of Conan, and it really grew into something pretty incredible. And then right at the
2: very end, it turned into monstrous anti woman propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean right like at the very end? Isn't <laughs> like halfway through when him and his wife divorced, and all of a sudden it became like. Well, the it Rick starts Sony coming. There's a horrible, evil woman, and it like. starts
1: coming in there. But then he does literally like 40 issues where Cerebus is just arguing with like the void of womanhood. Like yeah. it gets really out of control. Like at the end, at the very yeah. end, it gets truly out of control. Um, but it's really brilliant for a lot of the run. And so they, uh, uh, Dave, Dave Sim, the guy that created it, he would collect it in these giant editions. They it was a black and white comic, giant editions that look like phone books. So my buddy, uh remains unnamed, uh, for his for his legal uh purposes, um, was able to get one visit to Lil Nemo, four Cerebus phone books out at one time. That's
2: crazy. Isn't that unreal? That is that's a hundred issues of comics snuck out somehow. That's amazing. I mean it's unreal. And but it's like there's yeah. it's like so they're so thick these books. Yeah, so like, each book is 25 issues, if I remember correctly. Like there are ones that are smaller and then there are a couple that are bigger, but like essentially they're 25 issues each.
1: More or less. Some of them, I think, yeah, some of them are bigger. I mean like, yeah, so it's like really crazy uh, that he was able to do that. I was truly blown away by it. Wow. Uh, I, I never tried a bounty as big as that. I will tell you that when I, I worked at Walden Books for a while – And they would make us at the – when we left, they would check our bags to make sure we weren't stealing anything. And so I took this as a personal affront. And so I decided I was going to steal one book every day that I worked there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll teach you for thinking I'm a thief. I mean that really was exactly the logic. It's not really (laughs) – so
1: every day that I worked there, I stole one book. And go. I would, I would, I would, I would, you know, shake shake it up too. Like I would get like a paperback, I would get like a little thing, or I would get like a big art book. Yeah. And I would, I would do it all the time. Uh, oh, yeah. The big art books were hard because some of the books they would put the anti theft strips in, oh. so you had to figure out how to get out with the anti theft strip.
2: Yeah. But you that's know. always
1: tough. I'll tell you what the secret was, by the way.
2: The secret cool, was the old machine.
1: The secret was they don't check your fucking bag at lunch. Uh. So Mm -hmm. you can go around the machine, or you can uh, pull the strip out. Or, but with the books that didn't have this, the thing, I just walk out at lunch, and my friend had was working in an office nearby, and Mm -hmm. I'll just drop it off at the office and go pick this up at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) I am not proud of my history as a shoplifter. I no longer shoplift. I don't. I don't engage in immoral behavior like that anymore. I'm almost six years sober. I'm a changed man, Uh, but I cannot lie about who I once was. Nope. Who we who we were is who we become, right? <laughs> something like that, I guess. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. So I love Sandman too. It's a really important book to me. Uh, I uh, I also own all the absolutes. Um, I owned all the trades back in the days when they didn't have unified trade uh, packaging. They still don't. The Sandmans don't. No. The original ones. Dave McKean created these amazing covers for them. Um, yes. And his art is like three D art because he uses like like real physical items in his in his stuff, um, and they were really really beautiful. Uh, but I've read I've read Sandman a million times, and I have a lot of very strong feelings about Sandman, and it's a it's a it's a book that was really important to me at a time in my life when I felt like a weirdo and an outsider. Um, it was a comic that felt like it was talking to weirdos and outsiders. You very much, uh, like that, I think. yeah. They've been trying to make a Sandman thing for decades, and it's never happened. There's been some really fucking bad attempts. They were going to do one where Sandman was a killer. Um, sure. <laughs> like it was like Friday it was like – I'm sorry, like, like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was like the premise. He was a dream killer. Um, so <laughs> finally it's come to Netflix – um, a year ago, the trailer dropped, and I wrote a whole thing on the Patreon said, I'm never going to watch this show, because Xan yeah. is too important to me, and I think this is not intended for me. I think this is not a show for me. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. And I had that strong feeling until I found out uh, a few weeks ago that essentially, it's an issue-by-issue adaptation of the comic. It is. And it is, I said- was oh, quite uh, faithful to the comic. So stunningly faithful at times
2: painfully um, faithful at times
1: and so i said okay i'm going to give it a shot because because when you're doing an actual more or less issue for issue adaptation maybe it is for me yeah right because like i'm the person that cares about that stuff yes. like you're not just taking it and riffing on it and doing like a, a you know a, your own version of it you're really doing it's sort of like the, uh, the audible one that they did. They did a radio play version and it's, they're just reading the comic. Like, it's just like, well, they're like reenacting it, but they're reading the comic. Have you listened to that?
2: Yeah. I've listened to some of it. I've, I've been listening to it lately. Yep. And it really made me angry. Why? Because they include the bit with Wesley Dodds, which they do not have in the show, but Wesley Dodds is in the audible version. Yeah. And in the comics, Wesley Dodds is a guy who lives on long Island and he's very wealthy, he comes from a very wealthy family, and he's very well-to-do. And he's a very hoity-toity guy who dresses up at night with a gas mask and runs around, and calls himself the sandman, and fights crime. And in this Audible version, when he shows up, he's like, It's me, the Sandman. It's like that is definitely not what Wesley about <laughs> would sound like. Look out, lady, he's after your purse. It's like this <laughs> You know why?
1: Because he's in the thirties. They're trying to give him like a thirties voice, right? They're that's trying to do they're... like
2: thirties New York and it's a bunch I... of British people doing this, and it's like that is not at all. Like he would sound nothing like that. So funny. He was he was schooled in, in like in, in uh I believe he went to school in China. So that's not what he sound like at all. That's incredible. Um yes. so yeah, so Neil
1: Gaiman was heavily involved in this and they they did a a really faithful adaptation of the comic, including, I mean, using entire swaths of dialogue from the comic word for word. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to me to be watching a TV show and the characters will be reciting dialogue from the comic book. And I will remember not just that it's from the comic book. I remember the page. I remember remember the panel. (laughs) I'll go, Oh my God, I burned this into my brain in a
2: truly unreal way. Yeah. There are moments from Sandman that are just there. They're just locked in my soul forever. And and that, that which made that point just watching the show rough, where I was like, "Hmm." But. Well, I want to
1: start with your take. What was your overall take of the Sandman TV show? Aggressively fine.
2: Ooh, that's one. That's what we're going to put on a T-shirt. Yep, yep, that's my line, and that's how I feel about this. I think the acting is good. I have no problem with any of the actors. Oh, uh, oh, I story. do. Do you? Okay, well, we'll get into that. The the story I think works because it's the comic. It's a little. Some episodes could be way shorter, but it works, you know. Uh, The biggest problem is it doesn't feel, it doesn't have a gothic horror feel to it. It feels, it's too bright, it's too crisp. There's no fog, there's no, they're walking around in sunny days and and it just does not feel Sandman-y to me, you know
1: yeah i mean i think that's a really reasonable complaint um i want to talk about that in one second i have a really i find it really interesting um i find it like super duper interesting uh because it is so much the comic it is yeah. so close. It really g- goes issue by issue more or less. They they swap some issues around. They cut some issues out and they condense some. They do a little bit too much stretching of some of these issues. They really yes. should have tried not to have to do an hour on all these.
2: The the um, Dr. Destiny Diner episode is just painfully long.
1: Well, that's uh, – we're going to talk about that in particular because I have strong feelings about that one as well. Yeah. Um. But I, it exists in this really fascinating middle place for me where I am a stunned at how faithful it is. Yes, but I also feel like it's not fully executed as well as I would like it to be executed, no, and I feel like they softened everything I, in a really big way.
2: I think they softened some things. I don't think everything. I, I saw on Twitter, you were like, in, "In that they they made Morpheus more softened," and I don't think they did. I, I think.
1: I think there's no way to deny that they didn't because, um, one, at the end of the first episode, he smiles at somebody, which is like unreal. <laughs> like like fundamentally, like what the fuck? Uh, but two, uh, in that same episode, he um, punishes Alex Burgess or rather doesn't punish Alex Burgess. In the comics, Alex Burgess, the guy that traps him in uh, in the, the – the son of the guy that traps him in the bubble, yeah. um, uh, he gets put into an eternal awakening, which yeah. is he, he is – Trapped inside of a nightmare that he keeps waking up into a new nightmare that he keeps waking up into a new nightmare. It's incredible.
2: It's a horrible curse. Yeah. In the show,
1: he is gifted with eternal
2: sleep. But here's the thing. He says, I'm gifting you with eternal sleep. But then when we see Alex Burgess, he's asleep and writhing around in pain. So I don't think he's having a nice sleep. I think he is in in the – constant waking, but it's just they change the way he says it. Maybe, but then show me the constant waking. The constant waking is so cinematic. It's like so cinematic. And that goes into my thing, is that the way this is filmed and stuff, I think does a grave disservice to a lot of it.
1: But I think also, the character of Morpheus over the course of this season, I think that he's a little bit less shitty than he is in the comics. In the comics he's very shitty. And I think it's really important to note that the comics premise of Morpheus and the Endless is that they are like gods. When I say like gods, I don't mean power. I mean like old legends of gods. I go be Goose now, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, they just do whatever the fuck they want. Like, they okay. they they can be huge assholes. They, they can be petty. They can be shitty. Um, they don't care about anybody else necessarily. And, like, those ancient, like, Norse and Greek gods, that's what these characters are like. And yeah. a couple of times in the show, characters around Morpheus say... You know, oh, he's always been like this, but he isn't even that bad. He isn't even that shitty. No. And um, at the very end, in the final episode, he says something that I almost yelled in anger, which is that I he, love is, New York. he is talking to Vivian and 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 the nightmare at the very not Vivian, uh, Lu- Lucian, and then and the nightmare at the end on the beach, and they're like, you know, you you could stand to learn, and he says. I am listening and I will grow. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck you immediately. Fuck you with that. <laughs> like immediately. Fuck you with that. There's just no planet where he says that. Like yeah, he might yeah. say that like when we get to like issue 75, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like as there's like a long arc over the story of the comics that is about him coming to terms with some things. Yeah. Like in the first, in the first two storylines, he's going to say, I'm listening and I'm going to grow. No, first of all that's also a very 2000s thing to say 2020s thing to say yes. i'm listening and i'm gonna do better it's like he's it's like he did like an ipad an notes O-T. app apology yeah. Exactly. Yeah. um i just i found that i just found him to just be a little too soft for me because i think that what, again what i love about him in the comic is that he is like an ancient god and that he is he is impetuous and he is uh volcanic and he can turn on you on a dime. He's scary. Yes. When he shows up, he's scary. He's yep. not scary
2: here. No, and, and again it's because he's not he's not in, like engulfed in shadows. He just stands around a lot. And he I don't it's been a while since I've read the comic, so maybe I remember it differently. I don't remember him spending so much time laying on the ground writhing in pain, which he does a lot in this show. So he, that was very surprising. I was like, I don't remember him constantly being in pain like this. Like, he spends a lot of
1: time in, in the first six episodes wearing like a, um, like just say, a, a long sleeve black tight shirt. Uh, yeah. It's like crazy. Like he never puts on his classic uh, robe. He has a robe in some of the early issues. It's a black robe with flame at the bottom and the flame yes. is moving. Yeah. And that's just an incredible visual. And I'm like, why would you not put that on your television program? That's yeah, so fucking I, again, cool. You know,
2: all the visuals, all the great visuals to me are gone and that's a real shame that's a real bummer like when he goes to hell all the demons are just big dudes covered in mud and it's like well come on like yeah. when they he do goes to hell they in the
1: do comic, um in the shoot, final episode in the final episode
2: Azazel shows up and he looks exactly like he does in the comic yes yeah which that was cool but like i i just i love the sam keith version of hell where everything's real weird looking and stuff and like it's real crazy and i love that and even who i can't remember the name of the demon but the demon that uh, that has his helm. In the comic, has like two sets of mouths, and in this, he doesn't. And it's like, yeah, he looks at the other mouth. Like he looks like that demon in every other way, except he doesn't have the second mouth. Yeah, and it's like, what a bummer. Just do it. Like, come on. I,
1: I think the other thing that I think is missing, and it just speaks to your complaint here about the the, the brightness. Sam Keith drew the first few issues of Sandman and co-created the character, and he created. Uh, a level of grotesquerie within this stuff, and I don't mean yeah. like disgusting, but I mean like, like, like a medieval premise of grotesquerie. Things are like really like um, uh, they're over the top, and like things
2: are like distorted. Well, he, look, the uh, Sam Keith brought a very uh, EC Comics feel to the art.
1: Yeah, very much, which is yeah. fitting because
2: they use EC Comics rip off characters. Yes, yeah, and 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 and, but like that old horror comic look to it. He had. And then I, mean, oh, I always say the next artist's name wrong. Uh, Mike Mike Denkelberg, or Mike Denkel- Dringen- Dringenberg? Dringenberg, Dringenberg. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but he, he had a very different style. But he continued roughly down that path, where you know, and every artist did, where it was like it was a lot of heavy shadows. It was a lot of gothic noir feel to it. And with that missing, you're missing an important part of, I think, what makes Sandman work. And and not even like I think Neil Gaiman understood very much. Neil Gaiman is a very smart guy understood very much how that look was very important because that is the end of Sandman. Everything becomes bright. Like that's on purpose. Like he's doing a purposeful thing when he does that at the end of the series. So like to see them start this show and like, they're just hanging out in like the sunlight, and, and the, the episode with death—that's a different thing. That that is how it is in the comic as well as it's—it's a, a bright day out and whatnot. But and like, that's
1: a perfect thing, like because that's yes. the premise he's doing here is that death actually lives in the light while dream lives in the shadow.
2: Yes, yeah, but like in the in the in the the dream, you know, in his Morpheus's kingdom, it's bright and shiny, and it's like why is it bright and shiny? It's supposed to be dark and gloomy because he's the ultimate emo son of a bitch. Like That is his whole thing. He's like, nobody loves me. I can't find love. I'm, and- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna
1: to disagree with you here. He is not emo. He's goth. Goth is a yes, thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, in the time period when uh, Neil Gaiman was creating Sandman, emo meant something very different. It was a di- yeah. very different kind of music, but he's specifically goth. And I think this also goes to one of the problems that I had with the program in this same sort of vein is that the characters in Gaiman's story – are traditionally more people on the edge of society, traditionally a little bit more outcast and scruffy. This obviously comes from a guy who was living an artist's life. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, these are the people that he knew, they knew people on the, the, the margins, and they were a little bit rougher on the edges. And then in the show, they all just feel so clean. Everybody feels so clean. There's no there's no sense of in fact they 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 make Johanna Constantine instead of John Constantine and where he is rumpled and filthy she is perfectly chic and clean. Yes. And Rose Walker in this in the in ni- in, the, in the 19 late 1980s when Rose Walker had multicolored hair what crazy. that told you was that she was weird.
2: Yeah. And it was, that it was unheard
1: of. Right. In this when this woman in 2022
2: has multicolored hair that's just like an aesthetic now. There's, well, and-, <laughs> and, and this is one of the problems with it, where there's a part of me watching this is like, oh, you should just set it in the '80s. Like it would. A lot of this does not work now because we are 30 years beyond this. And as much as things stay the same, things have changed to a point where, like when Rose goes and says at the what is essentially a, a uh, Airbnb, uh, the the guy who owns it, he's like, he's like, well, you know. Uh, I moved here because being gay in New York was very hard. It's like uh, that's not how that works anymore. (laughs) Like that's not we're we're in a different world now, my man. Like it's a.
1: I mean, being gay in New York was not. I don't want to say not hard in the eighties, but like you wanted to be. If you were gay, you wanted to be in New York or San Francisco. But
2: but 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 what he was talking about in the comics when he says that is the AIDS crisis, right? So it's a very different thing now. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah,
1: you're right. You're right. And you're right.
2: So it doesn't work. It doesn't fit anymore. You know, it right. just doesn't, it's just not matching to what the day and date is now. And it's also a thing with some characters where unity K- Kincaid is like 200 years old in this. I mean, she's like 112, 115. Yeah, she 112. I'm uh, that, but she's way older than she should be.
1: Yeah. She's you know? way older than she should be. It's a little bit wild how old she is. So is Alex Burgess's husband or boyfriend when, um, when Morpheus wakes up. Um, he meets Burgess in like 1919 or whatever, yeah. and he's he's got to be 100 years old, but he's walking around like he's 50 at tops. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, everybody on this show has for all mankinditis. Yes, <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> they, they age at a remarkably slow rate.
2: Yeah, but at least all those people are like astronauts; they're in good shape and stuff. They take care of themselves. <laughs> they can buy it a little bit more, you know. <laughs> but like uh, this, it's it's. There's a little too much of that stuff, and they should have either up moved up the period when he gets captured, or set it in the 80s. One or the other. Well, also we've been rereading the comic. I actually had the comic on my
1: lap while watching the show for the first okay. few episodes because I was just so curious about it. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you the comic is a lot meaner than the show in general. Yes, the comic is
2: meaner and and, um, and again darker and grimmer and it's a little edgier. Yeah, a little ed- much edgier, much, much edgier. like. Not to who who were the, the mother-daughter possible sisters? Well, I forgot what they're called their names are, but uh oh the the goth ones, the goth spider. Yeah. Yeah. But in the in the comics, they walk around wearing dirty wedding dresses with veils that cover their faces. And in the show, they're wearing nice, clean goth garb and you can clearly see their faces and they've got makeup on and they're smiling and they're all happy. It's like, I never got that feeling from them in the comic. Yeah, that's, but that's what I'm talking
1: about. Creepy. That's exactly, that's exactly it. Like that's exactly the, the thing, which is that where it's softening everything. And, yeah. and, and a hundred percent like that, that's very irritating because those characters are presented as creepy and weird. And obviously that aesthetic has become more acceptable over the last, yeah. I mean, we live in a world that's a hot topic in every mall. So every kid yeah. can wear goth stuff, right? But still, they're really sanded down so that they look like just attractive women. Uh, they, they, who they look like TV
2: goths. They turn them into TV goths is yep. the problem where in the comic they are there's a creepy nature to them, where it's like, can like am, am I comfortable living in the same home as these people? Like they're really kind of weird. like like there's something off of them, nobody even knows if they're sisters or mother and daughter, nobody knows what's going on with them and and they walk around in dirty wedding dresses all day. It's weird. It's a weird thing. And then in this, it's like, oh, they're just got out, you know, women you would see at college. <laughs> like, like, that's all. That's what they are. And it's not that crazy. It's not that weird. Right. You know.
1: Yeah, so I mean, what's, what's really funny is that um, one of those two women, they take her dream from the comic and put it directly into the show um, where she says, I am in a relationship with a sentence. And in the comic because they're so weird and so unknowable that when you get this glimpse of her dream it represents this incredible side of her that you're like wow like this is like not what i expected in there um but in this you don't really quite get that same no. feeling from yeah. any any of it um i do think it's interesting that they um in in that second half of the show in the doll's house adaptation um barbie and ken um Ken is a totally different kind of douchebag than Ken was in the comics. Yes. In the yeah. comics, he's a yuppie. In this, he seems like kind of like a bro. like a Maybe yeah. he'd be like a Tesla bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah I did they appreciate that. Him.
2: Yeah, they, <laughs> they did a good job updating him. That's for sure. I like that.
1: Um, I thought the second half was better than the first half.
2: Yeah, and I agree. Th- this gives me a lot of hope for season two. The first half runs into a problem early on. And that's that the first half in the comics is very connected to DC superheroes. You know, I mean, Dr. Destiny is a Justice League villain. Uh, in the comics, Morpheus goes to the Justice League base and talks to Blue Beetle, Booster Gold and and uh, uh, Martian Manhunter, you know, like, and they were not doing any of that. They're like, we're not connecting it to the, the greater DC universe of characters, even though later on a bunch of like Flash villains show up in like TVs and stuff, but which was great. I love that. That was a great time for me. But like, even like, Wesley Dodds Sandman is completely erased from this. He does not exist during right. the period that Morpheus is is in prison. Nineteen
1: fifties so, uh, Sandman uh,
2: is a, is a comic book character in this. Yes, yes. Which I'm I'm guessing that's going to that they have to do because they I'm guessing they need they're trying to set up Daniel for later, right? So
1: yeah so they yeah. um daniel's a big player in the lita hall is in
2: this so that's pretty huge
1: well lita and hector but they're not the same characters from in the, those two characters in the comics are dc comics characters lita yes. is wonder woman's daughter and hector is the silver age sandman uh How hector
2: isn't hector uh no hector hall is, is uh dr fate isn't he in the comic, he's Sandman though. In the in the in the Sandman
1: comic, he's running around dressed up as Silver Age Sandman. He's being controlled by two dreams called um, Brut and Glob. Yeah, that's his storyline, and they have him confused and thinking that he is the Sandman. But I thought that I couldn't remember what his full origin was. I
2: think um, I think he like, oh god, my fucking buddy. The reason why really this is important. Screaming at me right now
1: think about it but the reason why it's important is because when this comic began it was a comic set in the DC universe and the comic needed to address the fact that there had been a bunch of other characters called the Sandman and so that's why Peter Hall
2: has been three different characters that's the issue
1: okay he was the Silver Scarab Sandman and Dr. Fate yeah so, um, so there have been these d- different characters in the DC universe named Sandman. And so the comic needed to uh, make it all line up. And the premise was that while Morpheus, the eternal endless Sandman was trapped in a prison, um, the universe sort of tried to write itself by creating other Sandmans and they ended up being the superhero Sandmans.
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: so that's but so that's a, a big part of the first few issues of the comic as as Morpheus is putting his ship back together, is he's also cleaning
2: up the Sandmans that are left behind. Which by the way, that led to one of my absolute favorite comic series of all time that I'm surprised has never been made into a TV show, Sandman Mystery Theater, which seems perfect for a TV show because it's 1950s detective stuff for the superhero. Or thirties, I'm sorry, yes, nineteen thirties detective stuff with a superhero. And it's like that sounds great like take that Perry Mason show put a gas mask on him that's Sam and Mystery Theater you know that's how I feel about it
1: well, I'm wondering why he wasn't in the show uh,
2: I, I I, mean Neil Gaiman said that they, they don't want to connect it directly to DC superheroes so I, I'm guessing they don't want to even have like a vigilante running around you know so
1: it's, it's the premise here is that
2: they're there trying to no establish
1: list. it's our world yeah. yeah It's it's in its own reality I mean, that's what happens in the comics. Eventually, the comic just like stops being in the DC universe. It just quits it. Kind um, of.
2: Like, it, there's still connections. Like, Brute and Glob do have, you know, Lita Hall's son, right? Like, th- this is well into the 30s, right? And the comic runs for 75 issues. Yeah, but I think that um, a couple of DC heroes show up at uh, Morpheus's funeral at the end.
1: Yeah, I think that that is more about. Um, once lead is introduced and has a pivotal role in the entire series, they're just gonna have to keep running with her. Yeah, we her. just can't get away from it. And then oh. at the end, I think that the ending spoiler, by the way, you just said uh, it's a 30 uh, year old comic. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the ending, uh, I think, is a, a summation of the entire series. Yeah. So he's bringing in elements from the beginning that he abandoned over time. Yeah. Um, also, the other argument, though, of course, to be made is that uh, Morpheus is the dream across all realities.
2: Yes. Well, they have more and more have started showing up in DC Comics proper as well. Yeah, characters. that's DC doing terrible things with characters that should not exist in DC Comics. Daniel Neil Game has to approve all of it. Yeah,
1: well, he loves the money.
2: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah.
1: I'm sure Neil Gaiman's not reading the fucking comic.
2: I don't know. Who knows? Because like, Daniel Sandman's, like shows up in shit all the time now, right? Not all the time. But from time to time, and, and death shows up more often than he does, I believe. But uh, that's how that works.
1: So the first five or six episodes of the show are just issue for issue adaptations. Like each one is an issue of the comic. Yeah. Um, so there is some of them that are maybe two two issues jammed together uh, a little bit, but yeah. uh, they 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 do all the big they do all the big stuff. They leave one issue out in this beginning part.
2: Do they? I didn't realize
1: that. They do, and it's a really vital one. In uh when Morpheus goes to hell and the demon leads him away from Lucifer's Palace and to the prison where Nada is being held. Yeah. And we see her and we see how she sees him as a as as an African uh man. Yeah. Um which I was really wondering what they were gonna do. I was like, put some of that they handled that very well. Yeah. So please tell me they're not going to put poor Tom Sturridge in blackface. No, um, no there's no way they're going to do that. <laughs> uh, there's an issue in the middle of this. After all of these, like after he gets his his helmet in the sandbag, that tells the story of why he damned her to
2: hell. See, I, I knew that there was a, a story there. I, I, for some reason, in my head, I had it that it, that comes up a much later in the series. Actually, me too. But then rereading this in the absolute, it happens like
1: issue six or seven.
2: Okay, well there. You um,
1: know. and so. That's part of my argument for why they how're softening Sandman, by the way, because that telling that story it's telling it that early in the in the run. he's a yeah. huge monster in that he's a huge yes. fucking monster, yeah, um you know he's he fucking damns her to hell, like it's really bad, and I think they didn't want to have that in the first season because I Randy, thought they yeah. they they would think that he might be uh unable to come back from that, yeah because there's a likability factor you need on a TV show that you don't need in a comic book.
2: no, it's true, that's very true. They and do make more, one massive change early on, which is I what? hated, is that the uh, Corinthian is already escaped from the dreaming in in the beginning before Morpheus gets captured. And I do not like that. They make Corinthian
1: the season long villain, and yeah. I understand the thinking behind that. The Corinthian was popular enough that they did a spin off miniseries about him and shit. Like I get he's it. Like he's, now, yeah. he's popular. Um but i think it was a bad decision because in the end the corinthian is not a particularly worthy adversary for anybody in this program and so you only end up with anticlimax
2: as a result yeah it's it's kind of funny when they when he finally finds the corinthian and just wipes him out in like a second. <laughs>
1: like- well, so what's really funny is that in the show he, the corinthian stabs him through the hand and he's like, "Oh, oh, I'm hurting." Yeah. That's not in the comic. In the comic no. he's like, "Haha, fuck you." <laughs> yeah. He's like a knife, what are you fucking crazy on the sandman? Uh and uh they had to add that in to give a little bit of a physical thing. Yeah. To make him feel dangerous, but it doesn't really work.
2: No. But I, yeah. I, I just I don't like that he's escaped from the dreaming before Morpheus is captured, right? Because that that is goofy to me. That I did not like. I was like, yeah, yeah. That makes him seem more than he's than he is, which I'm. What, they, they were trying to do. What did you think of Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer? I thought she was fine. I had no issue with that. Sounds like you did. <laughs>
1: I have like – so I'm really intrigued by the reversal, which is that in the comics, Lucifer is androgynous in a David Bowie way, which is um, male-leaning femme. Yeah. And here it's androgynous in the opposite way, which is femme-leaning mask. And so it's like a really interesting reversal, right? So like to take – androgyny doesn't have to just be a wafer-thin – yeah. Uh, you know, uh guy who's dressed like a woman, androgyny or a tomboy, you know, it can be like a whole different thing. Like, I think it's really interesting. I'm going to, I don't want to get canceled for saying this, but because they're really emphasizing how tall Lucifer is over Morpheus, they keep shooting Gwendolyn Christie from the least flattering angles anybody's ever been shot from. Yes. And she looks kind of like your middle aged aunt a lot as a yeah. result. Yeah, and yeah. I just thought that was a kind of, a, and that wig they have her in is truly bad.
2: Wig is horrible.
1: So I don't have a problem with her performance, and I think that the re visualization of the androgyny I think is really interesting. I just think that they don't do her any uh, any credit by shooting her from the angles they're shooting her at and putting her in that ludicrous wig. Yeah,
2: I agree. Um, I agree with that. I agree. With find that. a different. My role. problem with it is I just don't understand why it's got to be so woke. you know what's funny my favorite complaint i've seen online is i can't believe they made sandman woke it's like did you read this comic uh
1: you know what's really funny though is that they um very often when they're making a thing like this and they do like they add like they make characters black or different race it'd be like one or two they do quite a few characters in this yeah yeah swap they swap races for quite a few characters yeah Um, to to the point where i feel
2: like they were just doing casting. Like we'll cast whoever's best. Let's go for it. And this is what they came with. So I think it works.
1: It does have one intriguing side effect, which is that in the first episode, when Roderick Burgess is uh an evil wizard and he's having a thing in his house and the the, his house gets more and more popular for parties and we see the crowd outside is a mixed race crowd, which yeah. indicates this evil, rich, British colonial wizard is like kind of progressive about who he lets into his house and come to his parties. And I was like, eh, maybe this is one of those times like where like the – you you don't want to make this bad guy seem a little progressive. I don't know.
2: I don't know. Th- that was I, I thought that too and then I was like I don't know enough about the Aleister Crowley stuff to say like would Aleister Crowley have been like – well, no. he's a rival to Aleister Crowley. He's not Aleister but he, Crowley. But he is He is also Aleister Crowley. Like, he
1: – He has you – know. yeah, he has elements of Aleister Crowley and the Golden Dawn and all that stuff. But also his character in the comic and even in the show because they cast Tywin Lannister in the role, right, yeah. um, is that he's a stuffy British upper crust guy. Yes, yeah. And those guys are just fucking unbelievably racist. I mean, like, re- like we talk about, like, you know, people in the like, – confederate like loving people here in america as racist those upper crust british guys are racist in ways that like would put those people
2: to shame but um, they're they're a different format of racist you know it's it, it, it at least from from i've seen from british tv it's like they'll be like black people fine but keep those indians away <laughs> like, like, like well, no yes yeah, so yeah. they have that they don't but they i think they wouldn't have loved black people either i think
1: i don't, um, I don't know I think, yeah. But anyway, I, it doesn't make a difference. I was just watching. I was like, boy, this evil, shitty, horrible wizard is a little progressive. He's letting a lot of different people from different nationalities into his parties. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I was really impressed by the amount of colorblind casting they did in this. Um, it's, it, is, it is quite a bit. It is quite, quite a bit. There's scenes yeah. where Morpheus is talking to only black people. Yes. Which is, I think, never happens in the comic. Ever, ever, ever.
2: I'm not even sure if there's any black people in the comic.
1: There's a couple of black characters that show up and walk around, but there's not really any main black characters at all. No. No. Um so uh hell I thought yeah, I thought I knew hell was going to be like a little bit disappointing. I th- it just felt uh, inevitable. Do you know what I mean? There's just no way to do it on Netflix and not have it feel a little bit. And also, again, because the Sam Keith designs of these demons is so cool. They're so cool. But they kept That's elements so of it that I liked. They kept the elements of the tree, fo- the forest of people turned into trees. Yeah. Um, they, they, they kept some elements that I thought worked. Um, I thought Lucifer was interesting. Um,
2: but I thought, let's talk about the diner episode. Well, before we talk about the diner episode, I, I do want to say I also think that thematically for a TV show, it made sense to have uh, Lucifer be the one to do the rhyming couplets with him Ooh, I, oh
1: i hate that that's that's a good point T- tell me why you think that was a good idea
2: no I'm, I'm not saying i liked it but i understand from when you're making a show being like well we can't just have lucifer stand there <laughs> like, that's weird like she's gonna be or they're they're going to be a reoccurring ap- like thing throughout this where this other demon that has the helm never shows up again so we've got to set up lucifer as like a, a deal and See, so- I disagree
1: because I think that Lucifer's role in the comic is a character who like desire is fucking things up behind the scenes. Yes. Uh the spoilers, you're never going to get like a duel between Lucifer and Sam and Morpheus. They're not going to duke it out, you know. Really? Yeah, um I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um I th- my problem with having Lucifer do the um do the the, the battle with Morpheus, the metaphor battle with Morpheus. Is that Morpheus beats Lucifer twice in a row? Yes, and I think you can't do that. I think that you've actually done the opposite of what you're trying to do. Okay. Is that he beats Morpheus? He beats Lucifer in the game, and then he yeah. beats Lucifer again uh, to get out of hell. Yeah, and I think you just can't. You can't do that. Yeah. No. That's, you know, true. that's true. That's my whole problem with it. Like I don't. You know. I understand why you want to give Gwendolyn Christie more to do, and you want to make your antagonist be the direct person battling, quote-unquote, Morpheus. Yeah. But again, more, Lucifer losing twice in, in quick succession um, truly undermines what a threat Lucifer is, is.
2: Is Matthew the Raven such a cheerleader in the comics? I don't remember Matthew the Raven being so rah-rah. Well, this is
1: part of what I think is the softening. The dreams can't die. It's like, what? Yeah, this is part of the softening of the show. I you know, so, We were saying at the beginning of the episode here that like when the sh- comic came out, it felt like a transmission to the outcasts. It felt like somebody writing to the weirdos. And um, that really worked because the story of Sandman and the urban fantasy element of it um, was not popular. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was a fringe concept, but it's become very mainstream. And so Sandman, which was very fringe in the late eighties is very mainstream in the 2020s. Yeah. And so many elements of the comic get sanded down to, to a, appeal to that mainstream audience and one of those is matthew going yeah dreams don't die oh he might say something stupid like that in the comic because he is a dipshit yes um i really did not like having Patton oswald as matthew
2: no i don't think that worked at all you know who it should have been who h john benjamin no i don't want any of those guys don't give me any of these fucking voice actor
1: famous people who are also voice actors don't give me that like because the problem is that matthew Patton oswald breaks it because he's Patton Oswald. H. John yeah. Benjamin would break it because he's H. John
2: Benjamin. But to, to me, when I'm saying H. John Benjamin, to me it's more that H. R. Benjamin has something of a defeated quality in his voice. And I think Matthew, in whenever I read the comics, Matthew had a defeated quality to him. Where he's I mean, like, I was a thing, I was a person or whatever, and now I'm dead. and Now I'm trapped as a stupid ass bird forever. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's one angle. I think that making Matthew a little bit more upbeat. If, if I think if you had kept Morpheus as he was in the comic a little bit more, having Matthew be a little more upbeat, it would be a nice um, contrast. Yeah. Um, I don't think that he's as he's just kind of mopey in this. He's not like as dark and brooding as he is in the in the comic. Um, but just as soon as Pat Nosel's mouth voice comes out of that mouth, I just feel broken. Yeah. He just does so much voice work and he you does. know what i mean and he's got such a unique voice yeah. and this is not saying he's bad he's very good i think he does a very good job but just he's
2: so he's just so the guy. like well we're we're doing a comic book thing and we need a voice well that, so mark hamill shows up yes also th- no, it does not work you you don't think so no i thought that worked for me i think he's i think he's doing too cartoonish
1: I mean, it's Mervyn Pumpkinhead. I know,
2: I know, I know, but it's, it was too, like, Mervyn Pumpkinhead is already so cartoonish looking that the voice also being, like, overly cartoonish just puts it into a a level of, like, well, now he's just, now I just have no interest in this character. He's, he's just one note now. And that was my feeling on it.
1: Interesting. That's very interesting because I had the very opposite, uh, feeling about that because i think um, uh you know mervyn pumpkinhead is such a weird character he is like a twisted frank Baum wizard of oz character um yeah. and to put that kind of voice in his mouth made a lot of sense. because the character walks around with a cigar in his mouth yeah um to give that like hey i'm Mervin. like that's worked for me well, speaking of cartoony characters what did you think of cain and abel i did not like them at all
2: i did not and i, I think the actors were good i did, there was no sense of Menace, menace to Cain So that hurts <laughs> Like right there And Abel was too sure of himself If that makes sense And it just did not work for me It was like oh there's yeah. no I mean because C- Cain, Cain's mean Yes He's Cain not mean here horrific.
1: Yeah he's, he's horrific crazy. I mean he murders his brother every day uh, yeah. and he's, But on top of that he's, he's emotionally abusive all the time Yeah, um, And that's not the, yeah. the case What you get here
2: there was a part of this when they first announced the show and I was like, I wonder how they're going to do Cain and Abel because uh, the, that Sabrina show already did the same story with, with her aunts. Like in the first season that one aunt right. is constantly killing the other aunt and then burying her and then she comes back. And I was like, you're not going to do it better than they did it on on the chilling adventures of Sabrina. They already covered that really well. So, are they going to even do Ken and Abel? And then they did them and they took out that whole aspect of them. So now they just kind of stand around. And it's like, well, this is not very interesting. Like, they have nothing to do.
1: They have nothing to do. Actually, in the comics, when they're introduced, it's because Sandman comes back to the Dreaming and he's all beat up and he drags himself to their house, to the House of Mystery or the House of Secrets. I forget which one it is. It's both. Um, They they each have their own. I'm saying which one he ends up in. Uh, He um, drags himself there. And they take care of him, and they they nurse him back to health. That doesn't happen here. Like he doesn't have that breakdown. There's a lot of things where they take away to give characters quote unquote agency. They take away important elements, and that's like one of those things I feel like. And yeah, so yeah. Kane and people have no role in the show.
2: No, they just kind of hang out.
1: They're there because they're there in the comic. Yeah, um, it's interesting they kept them as they are though, because those are characters that are from DC Comics uh, uh, horror comics. Yes. Um, House of Secrets and House of Mystery. Yeah. And they're EC comic ripoffs. And um, it's kind of fascinating that these characters exist in the rights package. Like I'm very intrigued by all of this stuff. I mean, they're also, you know, from the Bible. So I think that helps. But these are exact depictions. They're yes, like yeah. if you were cosplaying the characters, that's what
2: you would look like. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which I thought was amazing. I really love seeing them look exactly correct. Yeah, they look great. Uh, it's a little too sunny again. Yeah, it's really sunny. Like the house of secrets and house of mystery should not be in Real a sunny bright. blade. Yeah. No,
2: it should be foggy. It should be, it should be nighttime all the time. Dark. Yeah. And it's just not. And I was not impressed by that. That really bummed me out. Um, I mean, I'm hoping that they're going to, they do come
1: back and do other stuff in the comics. Eventually uh, we'll see what they do with them here. One of the things that's really interesting with Cain and Abel, with Lucien, who they have gender and race swapped. And I think it totally works. Um, because this is a tv show they kind of feel the need to strip these characters through the story more than than they actually are yeah so lucien ends up having this arc the storyline in the show that i don't feel like is 100 percent really necessary because in the comic so many of these
2: characters pop in and out they're not like really like regular yeah in the comic lucien is basil exposition right like lucien shows up Morpheus is like, I've been gone for a hundred years. What's been going down? I'll, I'll tell you what's been going down. And then that's it. Where here, Lucine is like, hey, I controlled everything while you were gone. And I don't appreciate you, you know, just pushing me aside and whatnot.
1: Right. It becomes this whole storyline. They feel they need to get the character a storyline, which I don't love. I don't think it's purposeful or useful. I mean, and what I'm worried about. Is that one of the things that, again, I feel like the softening and the TV-ization of this yeah. is, are they going to turn these characters in the Dreaming into Morpheus's work friends? Yes. Because
2: that doesn't work for me. He, here's my concern, is as the show, because as the comic goes on, Morpheus becomes kind of less important sometimes. <laughs> like, there's entire storylines where Morpheus barely shows up, right? So, are we going to see that disappear? Because those are some of my favorite things. Where, there are episodes in the-, in the first season where he's barely in them. Yes, but I think that's a little different, as opposed to like an episode, as opposed like where it's like, okay, this is an entire story arc where Morpheus shows up like twice. You know, I think that's there's a different thing. Well, I think that there's that whole arc where it's all essentially one shots, where we meet the Dead Boy Detectives. There's the Clive Barker story. Like, are those just going to be wiped out, or is Morpheus just going to randomly show up in those stories now? Well, I mean, you might take those and you might spread those through um, multiple.
1: you might know, change the order they show up in the in the story, yeah. so they are coming every second one. Or, you know, what they did with the sound the sound of her wings and the hobgadling. I think that was perfect putting those two together in one com in one one episode. Yes. Take some of those comics and turn it into Lucian looking through the books. Yeah, or Cain and Abel telling stories, and yeah. then you do that that way. So you have a structure to an episode where you can have three stories. You can do three issues because a lot of those one shots you can really do that. Yeah, because yeah, I think you that, can. Watching the show and watching the adaptations of these individual issues, I think that the perfect length for a comic book issue is about 35 minutes, 30
2: minutes. I agree. I agree.
1: Because again, Mm -hmm. episode six, Sound of Her Wings with the Hobgadling is maybe the best episode of the show. It's the most faithful. It's just both of those
2: are essentially just – they use the comic scripts. I I, Um, I would say it's not even maybe. It is the best episode of the show. It was the the first episode I watched where I was like, oh, okay. Now they got it. Right. And then the next episode, I was like, oh, they lost it. But, yeah. but putting those two,
1: to the, having a half hour for each story felt right. Now, 24-7, the diner episode, stretching that out to an hour was, I thought, disastrous for
2: the show. Yes, that was painful.
1: There's a lot of positive response
2: to that online. People seem to like that episode a lot. I really disliked it. I really, really disliked it. Remember when one of the big things with streaming was like, now creators will be able to make episodes as long or as short as they need to be to tell the story, and that has not happened. Oh, no, that has not happened, yeah. It's still, oh, this has to be 45 minutes. (laughs) It's like, no, it should not be this long. (laughs) Yeah. But 24-7,
1: I think they could have done it. I don't think the length is the problem. For some reason, 24-7, there's a really good example of them sanding off the edges of these stories. And not make – that that issue, it gets dark.
2: Yeah, that issue is
1: very grim. Like, there's like horrific atrocities committed in that diner. Yeah. (laughs) And – None of that happens here. In fact, we just skip to them being dead essentially.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like yeah, there's yeah. a whole page of somebody getting their fucking hand nailed to a thing in the yeah. comic. And like that just doesn't happen here. No. They no, have no, a whole no, thing no, because no. Dr. Destiny brings them through all these different experiences. There's like a whole orgy. There's all this shit that happens, none of which happens in the, in the show. And it just feels like one of those really talky episodes. They used to do hour-long episodes of The Twilight Zone sometimes. Yeah. Like yeah. one of those talky one-hour episodes of The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Where you're like, all right,
2: move it along. Move it along, Rod. Um, like that. What was that? The Twilight Zone. There's a whole season where they're hour long, and
1: yeah, and some of uh, those really feel so
2: against it. But the CBS forced them to do an hour.
1: Yeah, and you can really feel that those are too long. A lot of those.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's
1: yeah. just so it's just because they 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 tone the episode down. It, it should have been really horrifying. It's not
2: horrifying at all. No, um, it's like uncomfortable. Then, maybe again, and nothing against David Thulis who is kind of creepy looking. He's nowhere near as creepy looking as Doctor Destiny is in the comic, where his face is essentially rotting away.
1: You know, yeah, he's essentially like, a walking
2: corpse in the comic. Yeah, and it's like, man, that is creepy and weird. And there's no in this. He's just kind of like, oh, he's like a older British guy. Okay,
1: and I really did enjoy that the um, his car ride to the diner. It was Ted Lasso's therapist that
2: drove him. Yes, yes, I that, really enjoyed I, I all that stuff. I thought that was done well but the stuff in the diner I did not like.
1: No, I think it just didn't work in the end. I think it's just it's it's too stretched out and it's too it's too toned down. And the, yeah. I mean like when Sandman began, it really was a horror comic. Yeah. And that's a horror
2: story. Yes. And I just don't feel like it's told as a horror story here. No. You know what else is interesting? And th- this is goofy, I suppose on my part, but because they're disconnecting it from DC Comics, and it, he's not Doctor Destiny, but he is Doctor Destiny. He's not held in Arkham, and so and now it takes place in Britain, where in the it comics not like, it's, in, it's, it's in Buffalo. It's in it's in Buffalo. Is it in Buffalo? Isn't everybody So the in thing British?
1: is, everybody in the show is British, but however, uh, it the, that is in Buffalo. Okay, because everyone's got British accents. I don't think they do in Buffalo. They don't. They're, they're not supposed to have British accents. They're all do, trying to do American accents. Um, okay. well, the, kid plays, the kid that plays the kid that plays Jeb Jed, he is a little British boy. Yeah, and you can really hear his accent sometimes. Yeah, like you can't
2: hold it against the kid. He's like eight years old or whatever. No. Yeah. 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 But like, didn't... yeah.
1: The they. I, I must have this... missed when
2: they said that this was Buffalo because I really thought that they were just like in the English countryside. No, somewhere. they
1: do a um an on screen uh Chiron says Buffalo.
2: I must have missed it.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ted Lasso's therapist. She's not supposed to be British, but she can't keep the accent up. Yeah. Um, what's weird is the Corinthian doesn't keep his accent up, but he's a, he's an American from Kentucky. I don't really understand. I was <laughs> <laughs> his, his accent feels all over the place in this show. I don't really don't understand why that is. Uh-huh. Um but yeah, everybody in the show's British. And so they moved Sound of Her Wings to London, which I think was a good choice because to recreate New York City, I just think would have been uh awful because I think they couldn't do it. it yeah. Makes me wonder if they're going to do in season 2, which I think season 2 would have game of you and that takes place in New York City in downtown New York. Maybe they'll be in London? I mean that, that you know maybe. Um but yeah, a lot of the people in the show are British because the show was a um, quite clearly made in the UK. Yes. Yeah. But they're yeah. often playing America. Oh well. Um
2: so yeah, 24 24- Duffy love in the show though. I appreciated that uh yeah the static shock shows up and and they and the static shock tv show plays in the background which the writer of that episode said oh this explains why a couple of weeks ago i got a check from warner brothers for a a usage fee of the episode (laughs) he didn't know why he got it and so it's because it's in sandman that's "That's pretty great good for him i
1: love that yeah um i love seeing a captain cold show up
2: captain cold pipe piper yeah yeah yeah, called a out by name. There's, yeah. there's a Flash toy on that console. Yeah, there's a Flash toy. There's Batman, Superman. There's all of them, and then but then on the screen in his dream, it's all Flash villains. I was very excited by that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm uh, very happy. Uh, I was so really then, hoping that Pied Piper would come out of the sewer. I was like, oh, if they have like old school Pied Piper looking guy come out, I'll be so happy. And that would
1: be really really cool. It'd be
2: really really fun. Yeah, he didn't.
1: So then at the end, they then give us an adaptation of a Doll's house. So they do the first few episodes and it really is that staccato thing of the original comic where there are a lot of like quote unquote standalone issues, but it's sort of the story of Morpheus getting his I guess we didn't talk about Johanna Constantine yet.
2: No. A little bit. You said you didn't like that she was she was fancy dressed.
1: So Neil Gaiman has said that this is not a this is not a gender swap John Constantine. This is a whole different character.
2: Yeah, he that the, they cast her as Joanna because she Joanna Constantine is in the comics. She's in the past. She's like his grandmother. She shows up in the show. She shows yeah. up in the show. Yeah, which has caused like, some confusion of people being like, wait, is she is she immortal? It's totally r- ridiculous that they did this. I know yeah. it's it's confusing. It's yeah. super fucking
1: confusing. Yeah, it's um, a little weird. But the thing is that she has the exact same story as John Constantine in yes. this that he, so like is she a new character? Like, if you take a character and replace it with a character with a similar name but with some aesthetic or, or, or differences, and yeah. then they do literally the exact same stuff, exactly. is that really yeah. a different character?
2: No. No.
1: no, I don't think so, right? No, and no. and so the idea that this, yeah, I just didn't love that. I don't, not that I mind that character, but like. They even have her like in like, a, a punk rock joint like in her, her dream. And I'm like, this, this character doesn't go to punk rock joints. The other thing is that I think John Constantine, one of the things that works about that version, the real version of the character, is that he is kind of like a rundown scumbag a little bit. And yes. he, he, walks the, he walks in two worlds. He walks in the worlds of demons and of low lives, right? And so John like, Constantine, he, you believe, knows Mad Hattie. That's exactly what I was going to say. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. This, I, She's talking to Matt Hattie. You're
2: like, what the fuck is going on? This yeah. character would never talk to this other character. No. It, it, Joanna Constantine would call over a police officer and be like, this woman, <laughs> you have to get rid of this woman. Or well, she play. would do a spell to
1: disappear her, right? I mean, yeah. like, that's the thing. And so that, that was my problem with that character. Not that not that they gender-swamped John Constantine, but that they kept all of the pieces, including, like, the mess of a apartment. Yeah. Um, they kept all the pieces, but then they um, – didn't they, they? they made the character too clean? But also, when they go to the girlfriend's house, who has the the sand pouch, they yeah. removed my favorite bit from that story. What's that? When they go into the house and they go to touch the wall to turn on the light, there's this gooey substance on the wall.
2: Yeah,
1: and it's human flesh because the proximity to the sand has turned that woman's father into a flesh monster oh, that true. just covers yeah. the whole hallway. So they yeah. have to walk through this guy. <laughs> Yeah, to get to her that doesn't happen here and i'm no. that's part of like the the, the toning down yeah because that would be a fucking amazing visual on a tv show i
2: agree i 100 percent agree and uh, um
1: but you know and you that, know that to uh,
2: me falls into the, my problems with hell where it's like you're just not willing to go real crazy with it and you're losing what makes sandman so great in my mind so
1: then they give us the um, adaptation. Oh, so the Hobgoblin story I thought was really, really well done. That's one of my favorite I stories from
2: the comic. Really, really well done here. Um, He's my they- favorite character from the comic. He, he is my role model because I, do never want to die. So <laughs> I, keep, I just go into random bars throughout my life. I'm like, I don't want it to ever die. I bet I'll never die and hope that uh, death will hear me. They give Tom Sturridge a, tr- a series of horrific wigs
1: over the years. Yes.
2: <laughs> they yes. truly do some bad shit to that guy's head. Yes. I was reading an article today or yesterday about uh, why wigs are so bad on movies and TV shows. Why? The argument did not make that much sense to me, but I don't know enough about wigs to say where they they were like, well, we, you know, on a, on a TV show, you only get a $10,000 budget for wigs. I'm like, that sounds like a lot of money for wigs, but I don't know what wigs cost. So I have no idea. You know, I think that maybe the cost is honestly the wigs, but it's also the hours and the work. Yeah, the makeup time stuff and stuff like that. Know. Like I have no yeah. idea how much how hard and stuff that is. But in my brain I was like, ten thousand dollars sounds that sounds like a lot. I don't know.
1: I, I don't know, but I and there's a, a, a epidemic of bad on the season finale of All Man for All Mankind, there's a character who's in the other episodes too. He's like the Jimmy's buddy who's like his like conspiracy buddy yeah uh and he has this the world's worst fucking fake beard and wig. it's like unreal it's yeah. it almost looks like the characters put a fake beard on himself like that's how that's how bad it looks <laughs> um but they give morpheus a truly horrific series of of hairdos over the of course he's, history he's i read just
2: got construction paper taped to his face <laughs> <laughs> it's just he, he, he glued cotton balls yeah <laughs> It's like in jackets when they glued the pubes of the dude's head.
1: What's really funny is that in the comics, Hobgadling, the story, um, Morpheus does not miss the meeting.
2: No. He misses yeah, he the meeting in the show
1: because they moved the whole series back 30 years. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. So they had to do that. They're like, oh, he can't be there for that. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind Which, of funny. I, I liked, although I didn't like when he's like, I, I have to apologize to a friend. That's, a, that's the exact line from the comic. It works better in the comic, though, I think. <clears throat> so here's it, an interesting be, thing. Because if I'm not mistaken, Hobgandling is not in the first trade, right? Like that's a sure is. While. Is it? See, that's another one I thought was way deeper in. Nope. And so it's, we well, see some adventures be, of Morpheus in between those meetings.
1: It might be the second trade, but it's it's within the first absolute really? volume. Okay. This, this season is the first absolute volume. Yeah. So if they go this way, this will be four seasons. Yeah, yeah. Maybe five if they do the extra shit because they did a fifth – um, volume of like extra side stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. I doubt that. Probably, the goal probably is four seasons, which is ambitious for Netflix, right? Because right, usually one they too many. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um,
1: but he is in the first episode. That comic is in that in the okay. first episode. Well,
2: I thought it was for some reason. I thought it was deeper
1: in. There's something really interesting about using the exact dialogue from the comic, which is that stuff that works on paper in this. The pretentious stuff that works on paper um, sounds really goofy coming out of people's mouths. Yes, yes. And there's some pretentious stuff in the show that's right out of the comic that just kind of doesn't really work. Okay. Which I okay. think is just a bummer. This is some, just yeah. some of the dialogue, which is like great dialogue, but like it's just hard to deliver because he's writing for paper. He's not yeah. writing for work, for, for, for speech. Yeah. And so the characters can be flowery or talk in weird ways that kind of don't necessarily truly translate to the spoken word and i also think some of the actors frankly just aren't up to it at the end of the day really? um one of those actors is in the doll's house storyline i thought the actress playing uh Lita hall is among the worst actresses i've seen on television in a long time
2: i, I not have an issue with her she's unbelievably flat i feel like Lita hall is unbelievably flat though
1: I mean, maybe, I don't know. I didn't get the impression that she was playing unbelievably flat. Do you know what I mean? Like it just, she was just delivering lines in, in, uh, what was really interesting is that they cast an actress, um, who I believe is Lebanese. Um, but they're obviously going for a similar, for me, I think a similar feel to Gal Gadot. Okay. Um, I I think they might be, I think that might be the little wink to her being Wonder Woman's daughter. I mean obviously I, Lebanese is not the same thing as Israeli I'm not saying that that is the same thing yeah. but like they both have sort of middle Eastern-y accents and they both I think share share a look I think
2: okay I can see I don't I, guess.
1: I mean that's like a, yeah I mean like you know m- m- maybe maybe they're casting Lebanese for Greek cuz that's what the the, the Amazons what, really are Yeah
2: yeah but I thought that was uh, interesting I don't know. I didn't. I didn't have a problem with her. I don't. But but I've always in the comics. I always felt like Lita Hall was very stiff and and whatnot. And so it didn't strike me as odd that she was stiff in this.
1: See, so I found some of the actors a little bit underwhelming. But it wasn't until um, John Cameron Mitchell showed up that I realized how underwhelming many of them had been, because okay. he shows up and he's just nothing but charisma. Yeah. And he's Hal who owns the house that everybody's staying in. And he's the drag performer. Yeah. And he's nothing but charisma. He's just yeah, endless he's charisma. He's great. And every time he's on screen, you're very excited about it. And then when he goes away, it's like, oh, not so much. Some of these actors I feel like are really well-suited for like a broad, like a network TV show or whatever. Um, but like maybe because I hold Sandman in unbelievably high esteem as like a great work, you know what I mean, yes. like capital G, capital W, yeah. that I kind of want like the best actors
2: – to be doing of it. Of course. No, of course. Top to top. Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely moments in here where it's like, Oh, I wish, I wish there was a little more to this. <laughs> like,
1: I it wish pretty, give it a little more. It is a some pretty killer more. casting Ooh. on that, on that, on that radio
2: version. Yes. Yeah. But I imagine that's a lot easier to get them because you bring yeah. them in for, you know, a couple hours and they're right. out. Right. But yeah, there's like some big names in the radio version and they're like great
1: actors. And yeah. so like, it has a very different feel. Yeah. Um, they do Doll's House more or less as it is in the comic. They change some things around.
2: It, it's funny because watching this, was, like halfway through the Dollhouse, you House know, episodes, I was like, God, it's just another Netflix show where everybody just hangs out in hallways and like Conference rooms, I was like, oh wait, but that is exactly what the comic was, <laughs> so like like no wonder why Netflix was excited to make this because it's a bunch of hallways and conference rooms,
1: yeah, but the thing is that in the comic, when characters are having discussions, they're having discussions against cosmic backgrounds or whatever, yes, yeah, they're not just standing in hallways, yes, and yeah. uh that's like the, the well,
2: thing. Well, not, not in the comic because I mean, they are at a serial killer convention and it is in like a Ramada inn or whatever. But again, it's the lighting. It's the shadows. Right. Well, and then so, here, it's just, this is what it looks like to be in a hotel. And it's like, well. In the sucks. comic, they're in a really shitty hotel. Yes.
1: And it's yeah. run down and shitty. Here, they're in like kind of a nice hotel. In the comic, they have the whole hotel. Nobody else yeah. can stay there. In this show, there's like guests. Um, In fact, it's a a plot point in the comic because Rose ends up spending the night not on purpose. She's not, she doesn't go there on purpose. It's her, it's her, it's her vortex thing that draws her to it. And her brother, her brother is there, but he's, he's in the trunk of the car. The, the Corinthian has him tied up in the trunk of the car. Yeah. And But in this, though, the the, the hotel is nice. It's got really nice rooms. It's got nice lighting. And that doesn't have that same gross feeling of – And that might be also an element of the 30-year difference, which is that in the 1980s, comic conventions were held in shitty hotels with shitty shitty rooms.
2: Gross basements and whatnot, yeah. In
1: 2020, comic conventions are held in big convention halls. Yeah. And so the idea of doing a convention has a different feel for the audience today than it did in 1989, 1990. Yeah. But I think they should have kept the shitty
2: rundown hotel. Cause it's a fucking, they should have killer. just said it in the fucking eighties. <laughs> <Like>, it <laughs> just doesn't make sense to me that they didn't. <laughs> so much of this stuff would have worked much better if it was the eighties. You'd be like, I understand this. I understand what, what's, why it's like this. We're in this when it's 2022 and you're like, nobody gives a fuck about that anymore. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't what's flow. funny. What would really help setting in the 80s is that in 2022, we don't really have as many
1: serial killers as we used to. We had like a big spike in serial killers like in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And they kind of don't happen the same anymore. Nope. And it's mostly because I think police work is so good. Like it's yes. all the technological aspects of it can really yeah. get these guys like very early in the deal.
2: Yeah. It's they don't harder. get a chance
1: to do nine victims. Yeah. Um, there's also a really interesting theory that um, that lead the lead. spike in serial killers is you lead in the water. Yeah. That is uh, – um, I don't think that's true though. It's interesting. I don't think it's true either, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But so in the 80s, having a serial killer convention felt very up to
2: date and it still does a little bit because people love true crime now. Well, th- that's what was missing from this is if you are going to update it, there should be more of a true crime feel to this. Like, Like in the 80s, it was a serial convention because serial, serial, right? And th- that's how that works. But now they would just claim it's a true crime convention. And it would nobody would bat an eye. There's a convention called CrimeCon, yeah. Yeah, so nobody would bat a fucking eye, you know? And it just doesn't – it's goofy when they're sitting there talking about cereals and they're like, oh, what's his favorite cereal? And it's like, no, no, no. That's not how this would work anymore. Like they would be there and and the Corinthian would be there and they'd be like, what's your favorite Corinthian kill? I was like, well, my favorite Corinthian kill was blah, blah, blah. And people would be like, yeah, fucking everybody listens to True Crime Podcast. It's fine. No big deal. Like (laughs) it's – it's broken you know like 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 if you're going to do it in 2022 have uh uh the women from my favorite murder show up and be whole, having like a a, a, a like a, a talk there you know like go full out with it or set it in the 80s have them using cereal as like <laughs> sneaky sneaky but it's still creepy and weird like it just doesn't fit it does not work
1: yeah uh the cereal convention Fuck episode you Neil Gaiman. No, uh, the serial c- convention one of my favorite issues it's i think it's fine here they it's it's, tr- it's really stretched out they really stretch yeah. it out they do keep the exact look for Funland. yes which i loved like once you see his hat i was like they they did the fucking hat yeah, uh, yeah that was cool i was very very impressed by that um they you know they make it a what's really interesting is that in the show gilbert Stephen Fry, a.k.a. Fiddler's Green. In the comic, he rescues Rose in the alleyway when she's being um, accosted by by jerks. Yeah. In the show, he steps in and she says, I got this, and then she rescues herself, right? Yeah. Which is like very, very 2020s. The problem is that when you take away the fact that he rescues her, he has no function except to operate as an Uber driver. Yes. Because he's not her protector. No. And again, I'm not saying that like a woman couldn't, Protect herself. That's fine, but he protected her for a very specific reason because he's a very strong dream um, who could do that, and then he becomes her protector figure.
2: Yes, and right. so and they he were was mo- attracted to her because she of the vortex. and she's a vortex, right? Exactly. He, he can feel it. Yeah,
1: right. And so that taking that away, I think, really makes his character feel really kind of pointless. Um, he doesn't even really talk Morpheus out of killing her, which you- maybe if you. Which uh, he couldn't do because obviously there's a whole plot way that that gets um, – yeah. but he doesn't even have like a successful argument with Morpheus in any kind of meaningful way. No. No. So just, like I – He's just there. He's just there. It's, it's a, kind of a yeah. weird choice. Um, he really just is, is her Uber driver. He just drives her to the convention.
2: Yeah. Like even at the convention, he doesn't even do much to help. Well, the convention, he gets to walk around and look at everything and slowly figure out that they're all murderers. He goes to the first one. The first one that he goes
1: to is it's like so obviously about murder. And then he doesn't figure out to the third one. The second one. Comical. The second one I can see. But the first one, it's like so clearly about murder or at least illegal activity. uh, But he's like, oh, isn't this charming? Uh, uh, I was really because he's like, yeah, you can you can hold them for days and you can convince their parents that you still have them alive. Yeah, and he doesn't fucking put that together. He's like, like, That's it's- a weird
2: thing to say about Commander Crunch or whatever they call it <laughs> in Britain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I think in the comic he also actually
2: does some shit with Corinthian that he doesn't do in the show. Yeah, they they talk in the comic from what I remember. They, they, yeah, they I think so a little bit. They, they also, haven't. am I crazy? It's again, it's been a while since I've read the comic, but I feel like in this storyline there's a bit where Morpheus is on a plane. And this little girl wakes up and he's just sitting next to her and she's like, I, oh, I always have this dream of blah, 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 blah. And he just talks to a little girl for like a minute about what dreams are. Or is that in a different story? That might be a different story. I don't remember that off the top of my head. Because I remember the sequence. I remember always loving it where this little girl wakes up. She's like, in my dreams, I'm an old lady and I'm laying in my bed and I'm dying. What does it mean? And, and Morpheus is like, you're dreaming what your future will be. <laughs> like, and it's like, like a really weird, creepy moment. And I was like, oh, I guess they didn't do that. And I can't remember why he's on a plane. Like it's been—it's been a while since I read the comic. I mean, he does stuff in the—he does stuff in people's dreams, um, like regular people's dreams. That he might need pieces
1: from them. I
2: mean, he does that in this series. He pulls pieces from, yeah, from dreams and yeah, pulls the crossroads right and all that stuff.
1: Um, Doll's house is fine. It's not my favorite story in the comic, frankly. Uh, It's an okay story. The sequel, Game of You, is really, really good. Yes, And that's, that's going to be interesting because they're going to be able to bring a lot of these characters back, but they don't really play a role after that. So I don't know if they're just going to drop them out of the comic. Oh, there's that cat again. He yeah. He's out of the bedroom for some reason. Uh, I don't know if they're going to drop them out of the comic or, or drop them into the series, I mean, in yeah. the later seasons. I don't really know what they're going to – like is Rose Walker going to have to be a main character on the show moving forward? I hope not. Again, she's going to show up in season two because Game of You yeah, is the second volume of the absolute. And yeah, yeah. Um, I thought Doll's House was fine. It was a little janky, I thought, structurally. It just didn't really flow. Um, But whatever. I didn't hate it.
2: No, I The show itself, I did not hate. I was just always like, oh, I feel like this should be bigger and better. Like this is just missing its mark.
1: I enjoyed at the end of the episode when Morpheus goes to see Desire. That felt like more in line with like what I want out of this program. Yeah. Like he's like really
2: tough and shitty there. And um, I wanted more of that. That is one thing I was surprised by. I was sure that they were somehow going to fit all of the endless into this. Like have them all show up in some way. And they did not do that. And I was surprised by that. That's because you don't want to hire somebody to do
1: one scene that you're going to have to put under contract and then there's going to be a whole issue with their fucking availability for future seasons. Yeah, yeah. They just cast them when they need to show up. They don't show up that much anyway. No, no. I I was... um, They do have Desire. Desire played by a trans actor. Um, I really love Desire.
2: What was it? Mason Alexander Park.
1: Yeah, uh, she uh, begged for a role on Twitter. Really, when well, she tagged Neil Gaiman, wow, and said, "I heard that you're doing a Sandman TV show. I'm begging you, my live stream is to play Desire."
2: Wow, good for them. And here it is. Uh, it's they have this- more and more often these days, isn't it? It does happen. Um, it's like, also uh, Amon Villani. I don't know if you watched the making of Miss Marvel, where she talked. Yeah, about I did. It was stuff. bad. Not, yeah, it's not very good. But I do like when when she talked. Like I, I wasn't. I had no interest in being an actor, but if they were making this, I had to audition. Look, look at that she just wanted to do this and now she did it
1: good for her. they brought in despair um i was surprised that they kept despair f- sort of physically looking like she does in the comics yeah which is that i thought for sure they might get uh, accusations of fat phobia yeah um she's obviously not in the comics she's very large and she's naked and um she is covered in scars from self-harm yep. Yep. and she has um uh, uh an underbite of fangs yes they don't do that here. She's just sort of like, uh, she looks like um, from Inside Out uh, sadness. Yeah, that's what she looks like. That's that, I really wonder if that's what they just based the thing on. Yeah, um, well, it was
2: lame. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was just in two seconds. I mean, like it was not that big a deal. But, she, I but just, it's just like like in the comics, despair looks like despair, and here it looks like somebody who's like, I'm gonna go to the store. Do you need anything? And it was like I was not a, like, oh well, okay. She's just got like a sweater and a pair of jeans out. Like, great. Okay. Whatever. It is weird
1: that she's wearing a sweater and a pair of jeans. Like this should be like a little bit more stylized than that, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. That that's why she's naked in the comics because she's like, you know, like she's like it's beyond, despair. Yeah. She's, she's so despaired. She's she's fully na- she's nude to the world. She's she's yeah. sensitive to all the things. Um, yeah, I'm curious what they're gonna do with the rest of the family. We're gonna start seeing some of them next season. I'm assuming they're getting a second season and had a very positive response. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh the, yeah, we'll get the uh, season of mists is coming up next that might be my favorite
2: right? delirium shows up i think delirium I destiny yeah
1: um we might uh but season of mists might be my favorite samman storyline period okay Um curious to see how they handle that uh they set it up at the end of this with uh lucifer having um her plan to fuck morpheus and make yeah. god angry they don't tell yeah. you what that plan is and the outcome of that plan creates a whole storyline that is like a terrific fucking storyline, just a great storyline. Um, and I'm very curious again, how it's going to
2: work out. what did you think of Sandman himself? Morpheus himself, Tom Sturge. Tom Sturge. I thought he was fine. I, I, not to ramble on about the same problem. I constantly have been rambling on, on. I wish he was paler. I wish he had the, the eyes. I like whenever they did the eyes, like he would, they would do it from time to time. And I was like, that's, Oh, it looks great. It looks great. And, and I guess I understand why you don't do the eyes the whole time, but I think I would have preferred it. I sort of don't. And Nick Gamer said they tried it and it didn't look good, and I just don't believe it. Yeah. I've seen yeah. too many characters with weird eyes that work. Well, here's the thing, and I think this feeds into your issue, is having black eyes with white pupils dehumanizes him, and they yep. want to humanize him. Yep. So. Uh,
1: it's 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 harder it's harder to ship him
2: with other characters on the show. Yeah, if he looks like a total weirdo. Yeah, yeah. even though and, let's face it, part of the reason that the Sandman comics were so popular was a bunch of nerdy guys and girls being like, "I want to fuck Morpheus." Right, <laughs> like, that's a huge part of it. Which is also part like he doesn't have the the hair. Well, know? they
1: also said they had the hair originally, but they didn't look good. Which I actually I actually believe. No, I actually
2: believe that. Well, maybe wigs. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it just probably looked very silly. I think.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. but the eyes—I like to have it. What did you think of uh, death? Uh,
2: I thought she did fine. Like she was good. She might be my favorite part of the show, like actor-wise. But I, I do wish uh, she had been more animated. She was a little too. They toned her down a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's interesting. I was yeah, because in the it. comic, she is much more. I'm going to say like she has like a much more of a teenage energy to her. She's very excitable. She's jumping around. Um, She, she goes into anger in a big way. Sometimes
2: like like it's weird. It stood out to me where, especially since they're being so direct dialogue from the comics where she comes up and she does like the spoonful of sugar bit and Morpheus doesn't know what she's talking about. And she's like, you don't know Mary Poppins and Morpheus like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. In the comic, she screams out super ex expialidocious. And in this she doesn't. And it's like, well that's to me that reading that the first time there's such a big moment of like death has fun. Death lives. And like, like death, that's a big yeah. part of it, you know. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that this version of death just it doesn't work. They 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 made her a little bit more mature and thoughtful. Yeah. Um, she's, yeah, she's, she's fun. She's a party person in the, not a party person, but like, she's like a good time person. Like you would have a great time hanging out with her. Like you could be doing the worst, most boring thing and she's going to make it a fucking blast.
2: There's the whole miniseries. Like death, high cost of living is like people just like hanging out with this person (laughs) Like is, is a big part of it. Yeah. So it's a bummer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought she was good. Um, but yeah, that's how they wrote the character is what, uh, I think, makes it a little bit of a bummer for me yeah um but i thought the actress was was good i thought the look was good i think it really worked um i think tom surge is okay um he's fine uh he does his voice which i appreciate that he does a silly voice yes the whole time i yeah. truly i actually truly appreciate that um he's doing he's doing he's doing duck face the whole time too yes yeah
2: which i, I actually can buy more if he's doing duck face
1: well he's yeah he's it's it's totally fine it's just funny when you look at pictures of him in real life and you realize he's not always doing that with his lips yeah Uh, oh he's doing a thing he's doing a thing here He's,
2: he's real committed
1: uh so i yeah i thought they were fine uh i wasn't like crazy in love with any of those major castings i wasn't also turned off by them in any major way
2: yeah um so I think the, that, the woman that played Lucian I li- I really liked. I thought she was good.
1: She was really terrific actually. She might yeah. be the
2: best um main character actor on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her. I liked the Vivian Achimpong. I'm probably butchering that last name, I'm sure. There's a reason I didn't say it. <laughs> Cuz I got them all right here. Uh the guy that played Hop Gadling, I thought he was good. Yeah, he's terrific. Yeah. 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 I really like Hop Gadling. So I was excited to see that. Uh, I wonder if they're going to keep the same casting for Shakespeare. or if just I was really
1: curious about, about that because they cast, they, did they cast a guy they could throw a beard on or are they just going to recast that role? I feel like they're just going to recast it.
2: Would be my guess, but oh. I, don't, I don't know if that is somebody that people recognize. Like, I don't know if that's a well-known British actor that I just don't know.
1: You know what's funny is that that was a really good example of stuff that I think works a little bit better on the page than it does in live action in that, um, Morpheus noticing this guy at the bar and then talking to him um, feels a little bit more natural in on the page, just because of the nature of how storytelling works on the page. And yeah. here it just felt like a little stagier. Yeah,
2: well, here it felt very biopic.
1: Yeah, hundred percent biopic. It really did yeah. feel walk hard. Yeah, it was like a walk hard yeah. moment. Yeah, but it doesn't feel that way in the comic, and that's just the, it's just the nature of the two different storytelling things. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, like I, yeah, I mean it's fine. It's not bad. But when you're watching it, you go, Oh, this, I can feel this. I can feel the, the machinery in motion to get him to go across the room. Like it doesn't feel
2: natural necessarily. Yeah. One thing I was surprised by, and and this I would not have thought of, but listening to the audible made me think of it. the, The audible version is when the three sisters, the fates show up in the audible version, they do a real interesting thing where each one is a different, uh, race of which so there's like like there there's like a uh your basic british witch who's like oh blah 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 right and then there's like a, a a caribbean witch who's like one of them and and i thought that was really interesting listening to the audible and then here they just kind of stick to the basics of how they are in the comic i was surprised by that I feel like that would be a good chance to mix it up. It's
1: interesting, yeah. It's interesting. I do wonder if you run into uh, a minefield of issues with the fact that each of the fates represent a different thing, and so that what your race you're assigning to each fate might carry meaning that might be troubling. Like I was thinking about when they cast the rest of the endless, they're probably going to go diverse casting, right? So like there probably will be an Asian actor. I would think so. Yeah. Then like the question becomes like. Is there like an element of these characters that becomes problematic when you cast with one specific race in mind? Do you know what I mean? Like, are you leaning into a certain kind of a stereotype? I think Desire, um, I would cast a Japanese actress and have her dress like those crazy Japanese rave kids. Do you mean Delirium? Delirium, I meant, yes, sorry. Uh, That would be like my take on that because I think think that would be a good way of doing that. Um, All of the Endless have like British new wave punk aesthetic more or less in in yes. many ways yeah. uh uh so like to to to, to global
2: destruction who is british living in the countryside wave <laughs> yes <laughs> he's he's, he's cottage core yeah cuz he he's aged out of all of that he's like i'm too old for this stuff i, I moved um, out i bought a a, a used audi <laughs> <laughs> i got a volvo and i live in the countryside with my dog
1: but yeah, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I, I was, it was easy to watch. I didn't have, I often have a hard time watching these binging shows. Yeah. Um, I need to have time between the episodes. This, because I think I was so familiar with it, it really hit me on a different level. Um, and because it has a story structure and a backbone, it doesn't have that bloated feeling. Yes. even if Some of the episodes are themselves too long. Um, and you, you know that each episode you're going to go somewhere. Like you yeah. going to be like a, a plot thing happening because yeah. you know that that's in the comic.
2: Yeah, like like once it becomes clear that they're doing episode by episode as issue by issue for the most part, it's like, okay, it's not just going to end in the middle of a random scene somewhere like this is following beats that lead to something each time. And maybe they're taking a little too long with the beats from certain episodes, but I know it's going somewhere. I know like when an episode ends, it feels complete. And then Dave McKean gets pissed that Netflix skips over the credits because he created special ending credits for every episode and you only see them for three seconds. It's crazy yeah that seems I'm, really glad, great I'm, I'm glad he got paid yes that I'm very glad for I hope everybody made good money on this
1: <clears throat> so I'm I'm back for season two Um, I think that especially as the comic gets really really great there's a hopefully opportunity and then once they got their feet under them maybe they'll come out swinging in a different way next season maybe they'll hear my complaint
2: that Sandman's too nice yeah maybe they'll mind that it's too well-lit too well-lit you're totally right about that yeah. It's just too bright. It's just like when you look at the comics, Morpheus is almost always just covered in shadows. And it's, you know, it's very
1: moody. Everything's very moody yeah. looking.
2: And that's the that's part of the um, what makes it really great.
1: Yeah.
2: It's a real bummer.
1: Real All right. So I th- bummer. I think that's enough talk about about the Sandman show. We got an hour and a half out of that. Uh, Do we, we want to talk in- about I Am Groot? No, I didn't watch it.
2: OK, they're fun. They're They're am sure. Literally, yeah. the end credits are longer than the actual uh, shorts themselves.
1: Yeah, I'm going to watch them at some point. I just didn't get around to it. Yeah. Um, oh. I didn't think we were going to really talk about it. Uh, we, uh, we'll be back next week with She-Hulk, attorney at law. Very yeah. excited for this. Um, but in the meantime, Derek, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at WH underscore bullhead. You can find me on Twitter at DevinCF. We also have another program called Watchmen, where we talk about superhero movies. It's uh, monthly the format. Usually they're pretty long this month. We're going to talk about league of super pets. I suspect it won't be one of the longer ones.
2: <laughs> right. I think <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, we're not going to do a five hour episode. Although apparently you liked it more than I did. So I
1: liked it more than you did. I think there's a lot of DC Easter eggs that are actually worth talking about.
2: Okay.
1: I think they, they were had really interesting stuff that they put in there. Um, that I was very intrigued by. Uh, so we'll have some stuff to talk about, uh, but that show is available only to subscribers at our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. That's for $5 and above subscribers only, but I think it's worth it. It's a pretty good show. and We really do go long. We're going to do League of Super Pets, and then for next month, we're going to do um, Samaritan, the Sylvester <laughs> Stallone superhero movie.
2: <laughs> very excited about that one. It looks very bad. Um, I have not watched trailer. I saw a trailer looks, for Secret Headquarters today, but I didn't see one for that.
1: Yeah, I, that came up, and I was like, oh, should we have done Secret Headquarters? And I was like, no, I really can't bring myself to watch
2: that. No, there you go.
1: I can't bring myself to watch Owen Wilson debase himself in a Spy Kids ripoff or something?
2: Yeah, looks like. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm happy Owen Wilson's getting paid. I like when love, the Wilson brothers get money. Love when they get paid. That's true. I, I, I like all three Wilson brothers, even the one who never shows up and stuff anymore.
1: So we'll see you again next week. In the meantime, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be well. Most of all, may you remain a true believer.